you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Hello, and welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast. I am Aeneas Williams. I am so excited about today's podcast because it's a one-on-one with a former opponent of mine on the field, as well as a fellow member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the incomparable Jerome Bettis. And I indeed was just a speed bump on one of his <laughs> uh, road trips to the end zone. And Niz, how are you, sir? I am doing fabulous. Jerome, thanks so much for uh, participating in this podcast. We're going to talk about your career your commitment to community, the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, and the stuff you have going on right now. But first and most importantly, come on, Jerome, do you remember any of the tackles, uh, any of the three career tackles I had against you in my NFL career? No, I, I don't. I think all of them were from behind. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember any of them being uh, head. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> you were you were on the smaller side, so um, I look forward to to kind of button up against you guys as cornerbacks uh, and the, and the smaller safety. So I was always enjoying because I used to have to deal with the D lineman and the linebacker. So I got a I got a, a breather when I got a chance to run up against the uh, cornerbacks. <laughs> Come on, man! When you saw a cornerback, two hundred pounds or less, soaking wet, five yards down the field, trying to tackle you at two hundred and fifty plus pounds, what went through your mind? Well, I knew I had the advantage. So, what I used to think about is, okay, what is he going to try to do? Because I knew he not he's not going to nine times out of ten try to go right at me. He's going to try to, you know, dive at my leg. So I was always, you know, trying to find the moment when I should jump because I, I knew the guys were going to dive up my legs or at the ankles. So I was just trying to do enough to get get into them uh, and and really kind of get over them. But if they didn't, uh, I was looking to run them over. So I was always uh, thinking about, first of all, if I could run those guys over because that was always sweeter. <laughs> Man, I never told you this, and uh, pun intended, but I literally uh, went to my attorneys before we played against you guys, and I had a contract drawn up, uh, and I was hoping to present it to you during the uh, pregame warm-up to see if we can have a business agreement where I would show effort during the game of trying to tackle you and you would take it easy on me. You wouldn't run me over, nor would I tackle you, but it would be a business decision. But one of my coaches saw my contract in my locker. He 
he took it from it, didn't allow me to uh, present it to you. Has any player during pregame warm-up tried to uh, make a verbal uh, agreement with you? <laughs> no, I never got uh, I never got the verbal agreement. That would have been interesting. <laughs> Um, because I, I would have, uh, at the end of the game, I would have, I, I probably would have reneged on it and I would have told him that it's not enforceable. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't enforceable. That's why I wanted to put it right in, man. But my, <laughs> man, he just, he niched all of that. Yeah. Into today's game, the, the techniques have changed and people, a lot of defensive guys talk about the changes to the rules. But to you, what hasn't changed in regard to physical players like yourself? Well, you know, what hasn't changed is the point of attack. I think, you know, you can talk about the receivers, you know, hitting the ball, I mean, catching the ball, and you can talk about defenseless receiver. You can talk about some of the hits that the safeties and the cornerbacks put on on, the, on those guys. But when it comes to, to running back, the rules hasn't, haven't really changed much at all. So once you get in between the tackles, it's the same game as it as it has always been. I think they're they're trying to make it better for the uh players that um, play on the edges. But when you get inside the tackles, it's the same game and, and it's just as physical uh as it ever was. You played at a Star Wars uh university, uh, I would call Orlando Pace forces me to say the Ohio State University. I really think it should be the Notre Dame or University of Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame the, the, the should be in front of Notre Dame, all right? I'll just put it like that and uh, a little pundit intent with that. You've had a unique career, uh, Jerome, starting off with being traded to Pittsburgh. How key to you was being traded to Pittsburgh and how did that uniquely the kind of offense, physicality, the steel city, how did that uniquely benefit you and your style of running? Well, it was it was advantageous for me, uh, obviously, to go to Pittsburgh. One, because they had just come off of a Super Bowl loss. So they had a championship caliber team around uh, me. So I felt that, you know, hey, I would be in a great piece to add to an already – great football team. Um, and so I went from a perennial loser that didn't, you know, we never got to the playoffs to a team that had been to the playoff multiple years before me, just coming off of a Super Bowl. So I knew that that was an, a huge advantage. The other part of it wasn't so, so clear, but it was obvious if you really looked at it. The here's what, this was a franchise that really loved uh, big running backs. Right. Uh, you go down to the history of the running backs. Uh, the running backs have been kind of endeared uh, more so than the quarterback position. So that was one thing that I looked at and saw and was very impressed with that one, they liked big running backs, they, that they were comfortable with that, uh, but also that the running back position was highly valued uh, in the organization, not just the coaching staff and the plays, but the fans and how they saw the game, they believe in three, four yards in a cloud of dust, as opposed to some organizations, they don't necessarily value the running game as as great. So, for example, the, the San Francisco 49ers, they, they're not going to value the running game the same way that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to value 
um, the running game. So I think that's that was a huge advantage for me as well. And I think you put those two things together, uh, and and I was you know in my prime when I got there, it created a great opportunity for me and one I was able to take advantage of. And I remember your induction uh, enshrinement weekend when you were inducted, and you had that crowd going with that towel, that you know, that little yellow towel. What does that mean to the the Pittsburgh fans when you start getting that towel to waving like you did? What does that mean to those fans? Well, you know, to all the the, the fans of Pittsburgh, they know the terrible towel. They know what it symbolizes. Uh, so when you get it going, I mean that is kind of um, how the how it feels in the stadium. That's the kind of a battle cry for all of the Steeler fans uh, to let's get it going. So when you when you start waving that towel, everybody gets into it. Everybody's going to make noise, and that's just kind of the the idea behind the terrible towel. It was meant to be one of those to to really rile the crowd up, get the crowd going, and. In any setting, if you wave that terrible towel, all the Steelers fans are going to start going nuts. And it was it was a great opportunity for me to to kind of start start everything off by waving a towel and getting the Steelers fans up in arms because in Canton it's only two hours away from Pittsburgh, so we had an enormous amount of people drive down, uh, drive up to the game, drive up to uh, Canton. So it just made for a perfect uh, start to a speech. <laughs> you had a unique experience on Thanksgiving Day uh, with a coin flip, if I remember. We've all seen the videos. Describe what happened and what it was like to be a part of that strange chapter in NFL history. You know, that was a tough one because I was always the the captain who would call the coin toss. That was always, I mean, just always the case. and. So every game, that was my my job, you know, heads and tails and and all of that. So just this particular game had a little bit more significance to me because it was the first time in my football career that I had ever played professionally in Detroit, and it happened to be on Thanksgiving. I had ninety you know family members there, so it was a it was a big event, big big game for me. Uh, and so we get into overtime. They ask us to come over again and, and do the coin toss. And I did it the first uh, uh, at the beginning of the game. So I did it here. This time, the first time I called heads. And then the second time, I was about, I was calling about to call heads and I changed my mind to call Ted. So I said, head, I, I said, head, tails. <laughs> Right. Because I was about to say heads, but but this was a this was, you know, a different deal. So I wanted to switch it up. So I said head tails <laughs> and you can hear it on the on the mic that it wasn't like a head tails. It was a head tails. Gotcha. So it was a clear tails. But but what happened was um, the official, the umpire, when, once he heard me say, huh. He just assumed it was heads, and that was the end of it. And when you can look at the response of the, the Lions players, they're looking around like, "Whoa, what ha- what just happened?" Because obviously they were aware that I said tails, but uh, it was it was a rough one. In uh, the game, didn't go my way. We lost, and as a result of it, I got fired 
from the coin toss. That was the worst part. <laughs> Coach Power. Are you serious? I never got a chance to call another uh, uh, head of tails. Wow. Now, you had the unique experience. I played, I was traded from the Cardinals to the Rams. My first year, which was my 11th year, I went and played in the Super Bowl against New England. We ended up losing in my hometown. You, on the other hand, got a chance to play in the Super Bowl in Detroit, except you won. Tell me about that experience. Well, yeah, that was, you know, a dream come true, obviously, to, to you know, you play in a place like you grew up in a place like Detroit. They had a Super Bowl um, some years before, but you never expected to come back to a cold, a cold city, uh, especially in February. But it did. And, and that, that was really the reason that brought me back for a 13th season. I had originally to retire uh, before that season. And the fact that it was going to be in Detroit is the reason, the sole reason I decided to come back for one more year. Uh, and, and as it turns out, it was, you know, a magical, you know, kind of joy ride because for me, I was on the back end of my career. Obviously I had just retired the year before. So I knew that, you know, I had very little, uh, in terms of in the tank, so to speak. So, so this was the, you know, the, the, the crowning achievement, the moment that I had always been dreaming of as a football player, your goal is to, to you know, play in the, in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's your goal always. Right. And, you know, after 12 years, I, I, I had fallen short. I knew that, you know, I had a, a great career, but it still, you know, I didn't I didn't get to where I wanted to get to. And, and I, I understood that, you know, maybe to no fault of my own, but we just weren't good enough. And as it turns out, we got an opportunity and it was incredible. And, and I was I was fortunate enough to take all of the, the 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 conversation, all the questions. And I had a young quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who who was a, a second year guy. And then um, Willie Parker, who was a, a first year starter at running back. You know, we had, I had some young, young guys that were going to play central parts. Um, in the storyline, but I was able to take a lot of pressure off of them because all the questions were aimed at me. So it, it, it just turned out to be an amazing week. Uh, my family had an, an incredible time. Uh, I lost my father, you know, shortly after. And so it was a, a great time and a great moment that I'm proud that he got a chance to see me win a championship. Uh, and it was just a special moment all around. I don't recall in the Indianapolis game. Was that the same year or was that a different year? I, I don't know what you're talking about. That was on our Super Bowl run uh, for, for the people who don't remember. And uh, I'm very disappointed in you, Aeneas, for bringing this up. You were on a magical joyride story. And you want to deflate it and bring us down. And and basically, it's not in my notes. It's not in my notes. All right. Yeah. See, yeah. You just you just want to remember that. You see how people like to remember the the worst moments in people's uh, professional lives. Yeah, this was one of the worst moments. We we were winning a football game in Indianapolis in the playoffs. It was game was was just about over. We got a turnover on downs at, right at the you know three four yard line. We go in to, to seal the deal, 
Um, and we're up by three, I believe, and we're about to go up by 10 and seal the game. And I fumbled the football at the one-yard line. And, and fortunately for me, Ben saved the day. He, he made an incredible shoestring tackle that under normal circumstances he would never have the opportunity to. Um, but, but he made, you know, the play, so to speak. And uh, that propelled us on to uh, win a championship. So he's always on my Christmas list uh, for for that save. <laughs> and and no, and Jerome, I didn't know. I want to clarify that was the year you guys won the Super Bowl, as you just said. And the yes, reason it why it came to me is because the adversity that we go through, the adversity you experience. How did you get through that? How did you I guess, handle the emotions of still winning, but having that. How how would you speak to whoever listens to this podcast? How did you deal with that experience and to have a teammate that gave an effort like Ben? I'll tell you what, what happened. So after I phoned the football, I go over to the sideline, and it's the worst feeling in the world. I let my team down, and I get to the sideline, and it's like, I'm a, I'm a leopard. Nobody's around me. Every, if I walk, the, everybody kind of moves out of the way, right? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm down. I'm sitting uh, at, on the bench. Nobody's around me. And I, and I started to smile. A calm came over me. And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, I said, Lord, if this is how you want my career to end, I'm okay with that. I'm mm-hmm. thankful that you gave me this opportunity. So if this is... How it's supposed to end, I'm I'm okay. And so I'm on the sideline kind of smiling and people look at me like, is he nuts? Uh, but I really come come to a, a peace with it uh, wow. because I thought that that possibly could have been my last play that I would have ever played. And and uh, as a result, you know, Ben saying today, the defense went out and held him, um, you know, Stopped them from a touchdown. They were trying to kick a field goal to tie it. And uh, Vendor Jack, he he jacked it way to the right. Didn't even get come close to making the field goal. And we wow. won the football game. So, you know, it was one of those those moments that, um, you know, I look back on and reflect on. And I was never down in the dumps to the point where, you know, some guys are distraught and they can't. I was right. I was comfortable because of the way that I had had reasoned with myself, and I left it up to the Lord to to give me the strength to kind of get through. Because it was one of those moments that Powerful. you can't physically get through it. You you know you you go nuts trying to make sense of it. Uh, so I just kind of uh, let it go. Jerome, I you may notice I don't I don't know, but. What you just shared is so powerful because in the midst of one of the biggest challenges of your life, you chose gratitude. You you chose to 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 really to be at peace and using the actual using your words sound like sound like you had your own little huddle. <laughs> Does that make I any did. sense? I did. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was 
I was talking to the man at, at that moment because he was the only one that w- that was willing to be around me. <laughs> nobody, nobody else wanted to be around me. <laughs> so we had a chance to have a really good heart to heart. I had some time, and uh, he was listening, and uh, and we had a great conversation. And I know that was a tough moment. I, as I said, it really came up because I thought it was during that Super Bowl uh, winning year, and I wanted to make yeah. sure yeah. that those who heard this podcast would understand it has nothing to do with the adversity that happens, but how we respond to it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Your work in the community through the Bus Stops Here Foundation is impressive. When you started it, what was the goal? You know, the the goal for me was was very simple. It was just about trying to pay pay it forward. I was the beneficiary of a foundation. There was a gentleman. His name was Reggie McKenzie. He was an incredible yeah. alignment. Played in Buffalo Bills. Blocked for OJ Simpson. Went out to Seattle. Uh, you know, worked for the Seattle organization for years and years. Um, and he would come back every year and give a football camp for free for the kids. And that's where I was able to really see uh, NFL football players and realize that the possibility existed for me. Um, you know, you see them, you see the guys on TV, but you don't know that these guys are real, you know, and you get a chance to meet some of the guys. And, and as a ninth grader, a 10th grader, actually, it, it was just eye opening. And so that changed my life and, and my trajectory because I fell in love with football because a lot of people don't know, I didn't play football until high school. So I didn't play middle school. I was a bowler. And so for me, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Again, you were a what? A bowler. <laughs> I bowled. A, a bowler. Like you, you just going to put that out there without me stopping to, to make sure I free frame. Jerome the bus bold was a bowler up until yeah. high school? Up until high school. So I up in, you know, in my middle school years, I was nationally ranked. I was traveling all over the country. Uh, went to St. Louis for a, a, a tournament. So went all over the country bowling um, and was really good. And, and I had to make a decision in the eighth grade. What was I going to do? And I wanted to give myself the best chance to get a scholarship. So I decided to play football. Uh, academically, I was very strong, so I knew I could possibly get an academic scholarship. But I wanted to to really make sure I was the, the youngest of three, and mom and dad were was really struggling, you know, just to get my my brother and sister through school. So I knew there was not going to be much uh, in terms of resources for me to get to school. So my plan was to try to play football and get a scholarship, and so. My freshman year, I played linebacker, and my sophomore year, I played tight end and nose guard. And I didn't play running back until my junior year of high school. So for me, this this was um, an opportunity. So I so going to this football camp, I, this is where I was able to develop that uh, that competition uh, mentality. How you got you have to compete and and the hard work and all that. So so going to this camp, it really changed my life. So. And then they also had mentoring programs. They had an SAT preparation program. So they had all these programs that I was able to benefit from. And when I got into the NFL, I said to myself, I want to pay it forward because I want to give, you know, 
and people always say, you know, this, you know, you, you always hear the, the line, you know, all you want to do is help one kid. And, and Reggie McKenzie, you know, his goal was if I could help one kid, you know, and I, I tried to tell him, Reggie, that one kid was me. You changed my life. So for me, it was about trying to pay it forward, trying to go out and affect at least one kid's life because you never know who that kid could grow up to be. You know, I grew up to be an NFL Hall of Famer. And and that's somebody Reggie can say, hey, I influenced his life. And so I wanted to do the same thing. So I started uh, the Bus Stops Here Foundation, um, and we've been trying to do good ever since. And, and as it's just turned out, this pandemic has really highlighted some glaring issues um, nationally uh, in our education system. and. Right. And just a, a quick story, I got a phone call from um, some, someone in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, uh, the head of security, and he had a young lady who would work training camp, but she was a school teacher. And she reached out to him and she said, I need your help so bad. This pandemic, these kids that now can't come to school. And we've got 60 kids that don't, that don't have any uh, access to the internet and they don't have computers. So, and they, so they can't. They can't do any any school, so he reached out to me, and I and I, I just knew that was not right, um, and we were able to uh, correct that. We put together a, a little fundraiser, and we were able to raise the money for those kids in one day to wow. get all of them computers. So we got them all laptops, and we were able to get them going. But but we also found that there was a, a ton more kids that needed the same assistance. So what we've done, what we've done is is we have to date raised, you know, uh, purchased over a thousand laptops for students wow. in, in Southwestern PA, and and that's really uh, been a goal of ours. But then taking one step forward, we needed to give them an opportunity because you know when all this happened, school ended and kids were kind of abruptly uh, shut down. So we started a program. And, and we call it check-in program where we would have kids come to uh, the, our site. Then they would they would learn different skill sets, right? And we would have DJs, uh, prizes, giveaways, celebrities checking in every session uh, to provide them unique opportunities. And the topics, you know, are totally different: tech, innovation, science, video, film, math, zoology, and so. Uh, today we're launching, well, yesterday we just launched our second six-week virtual enrichment session uh, for middle schoolers 10 to 14. And if anyone uh, is, is listening and they want to be a part of it, uh, it's it's really easy. All you have to do is, uh, I'm trying to find it. There's a, a website. You can go to the Bus Stops Here Foundation and get all the information uh, about it. But then... You can also uh, go to eventbrite.com and register your children. It's free, and I just think it's a great opportunity, and, and it's something we've been doing um, for a while, and it's been totally beneficial. And if anybody who's heard this, they're inspired to maybe give and help the foundation, they can always go to the bus stops here, foundation.org, uh, and click donate, or they can text bus to 7177. Seven and and that's what it's all about. Just trying to pay it forward and give the 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 next kid the the same chance that I was given. 
you've achieved things that very few players and legends have achieved, and I want to address them. The first one, 2001 NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. What was your reaction to winning it? You know what? It, it was it, it was great, but it wasn't. It was kind of one of those things that I didn't do all of those things that, that I had done and I still do. I didn't necessarily do it for recognition. Uh, so it was it was initially kind of a little bit you know tricky how I kind of realized it. you know I was thankful and I appreciated it, but that was never the the mission. The mission was was the kids and help the kids, but I was I was very thankful and 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 to be regarded as um, a Walter Payton Man of the Year, having opportunity to meet Walter Payton and to know the man that he was. That gave me a sense of appreciation even much more because of what he stood for uh, and what the NFL was trying to do. They were trying to really highlight the things that that the men of the NFL are doing to give them more of a platform to go out and impact more lives and create more change. So when I when I really thought about it, looked at it, I was so thankful, so appreciative that it actually happened and I was um the the winner and then to know all the players that you know that you're right. up against who are doing great things in their communities just like me that to, to be the winner was like uh mind-blowing what would it like to be on the field uh, a couple of super bowls ago with all of those uh nfl man of the year award winners you know what it, it, it felt great because i you know i, I kind of put myself in that position where you know I was able to get the the benefit of of a guy giving his time and efforts and and money and resources to to help kids that he didn't know, right? And so I said to myself, man, all of these men here with me, they have had the opportunity to affect so many men and women and kids' lives that this is a special moment because the trajectory of these people are going upward. So just if you put us collectively together, you say how many people have all of these guys been able to touch uh, with their kindness and, and with their heart? Uh, the number is, is substantial. And if everyone does what I do in terms of because I, I got the benefit, if they say we want to pass it forward to help one kid, then it, it goes exponentially to a bigger number. And that's kind of the things that I think about. What was it like when you got that Pro Football Hall of Fame call? Man, I tell you what, that was that was something else. Now, the the crazy part about that is, you know, I, I waited had to wait a couple of years, and and so the the crazy part about the wait is, people are always telling you after every year, and it, you know, it, it just right. it didn't happen, and and after every year, you know, guys and people are saying, hey, you're a Hall of Famer in my book, and I and I used to always say. But nobody reads your book. <laughs> nobody cares about your book. I'm not in, right? And it was, and it was always frustrating. But uh, once the, the the call came and the knock on the door happened, man, it was it was an incredible honor. And all of those moments of, of disappointment they they melted away because you appreciate. Um, the journey uh, and what it takes to get in. So once you are in, you are so appreciative uh, because 
it's a very, very select group of men that have done some incredible things, uh, but it also affords all of us a platform to do even more. So it's an incredible honor. And, and you know, not just for me, for my family, uh, because they went on this journey with me. My mother and father right. went to every single NFL game I ever played. They were in the, in the stands for wow. over 200 and I don't know how many games, but they were there and they traveled every week, every city, all over the country. Wow. So, so they were a big part of my success as well. So for, for me to get in the Hall of Fame, they got in as well. And it was, it was special. Last question. Everyone now talks about their legacy. What's yours? You know, hopefully my legacy was that of a, a player who was thoughtful, who was kind, who did the most he could do on the field. He took advantage of every opportunity, exhausted every bit of, uh, of himself on the field and equally did the same off the field. Was a genuine person uh, and uh, a great husband, a great father to his kids. Uh, and ultimately a good man. And, and I, I'll be happy with that. If you could give one piece of advice to current players and or legends, what would it be? Oh, wow. I would say, I would say know your history. For the younger players, you, you know your history. It gives you a sense of, of your future. To know what guys have gone through, the sacrifices they have made, uh, it enlightens you because you understand that in order to reach the, the heights, the highs of highs, there has to be an enormous sacrifice in, in whatever it's physical, mental, time. There's got to be a sacrifice to get to where you want to go in life. And if you can look at um, all of the, the men that went before them or, and women, they are all examples so these are all opportunities to take advantage of. This is an example. When you when you do a math problem, they give you examples. And right. you're looking at the examples so you can do a better job going forward. And if you use these uh, men and women as examples, then that gives you an opportunity to to one, avoid the pitfalls that they were that they uh, stepped in but also take advantage of the positives and become a better person. I think that that will be my advice. Jerome Bettis, AKA bus. This has been an incredible podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening in. The best is yet to come. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.